G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. Unknown to me, there was another car coming up from the top of Latrobe Street that had gone onto the wrong side of the road. The car hit me and I can recall that as my head hit the road, just this tremor, this tremor went from the top of my head right through my body. But then instantly I felt I wasn't in Latrobe Street any longer. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when Miranda Burness was in her late 20s, everything seemed to be going her way. She had a successful business and was on her way to becoming an international Nepal umpire. But that all changed when tragedy struck and turned her life upside down. Today, Miranda shares her incredible story as she has a chat with Eric Scadabo from her home in Ballarat, Victoria. Miranda Burness, welcome to the program. Good morning, Eric. Nice to be with you. Glad to have you with us. And so everything seemed to be going very well at that point in your life. Is that right? Yes. I I thought that everything was perfect. I I was very happily married with three young children, just built a lovely home, um, had a very successful business. Um, Mm -hmm. In those days, we had title searching businesses and settlement law clerks. Mm -hmm. And I had about 26 uh, law firms as clients and a small bank. And I also loved and from a very young age and was very involved in playing netball initially. Yeah. And then later on, um, working towards becoming an international umpire. I, I really wanted to not only umpire state teams, but also umpire the Australian team. And so I spent many, many evenings at Royal Park in Melbourne in those days, mm-hmm. yeah. as well as running a family and a business. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get back to that point in your life, but first let's find out a little bit about your background. Where were you born and raised? I was actually born initially, and I was four years old when I came to Australia. I'm the eldest of nine children. So from a strong Italian family? Um, oh, no, my parents are very modern Italians, so <laughs> very, very strong. Mum um, was only 16 when she got married, mm-hmm. and so um, I, she was 17 when I was born. And um, most of the children were all born here, except for myself, my brother, and my young sister. So, as an Italian family, you were raised in the Catholic Church? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. We attended each week, and also Catholic schools right through. And at one point, uh, your parents even wanted you to become a nun. Is that right? Yes, uh, particularly my mother. I would attend retreats, and um, even our principal, our senior, uh, the nun at school, uh, took us through the convent and everything else, believing that that's where I would hopefully one day, you know, see my life. Of course, uh, that was not the path you chose. You eventually got married? Yes, I met my husband. He travelled around Australia because his father was in the Air Force. And when my husband Martin was in Melbourne, when they were stationed in Melbourne, I met Martin at a dinner dance. 
And from the nights that we met, um, within a few weeks, he proposed, actually. We were, ma- wow. we were engaged within five months and then married within 11 months. And then eventually you had children. And take us to uh, the events that we began talking about. Okay. Um, I, I've always had a business background mm-hmm. and I really love the legal profession. And at that time, I initially worked for different lawyers, but then down the track, I ended up having my own searching business. And in those days, before electronic titles and the way it is today, mm. we would do all the searches for different law firms and insurance companies, and the banks would have their own clerks. And so we would all be at the titles office in Melbourne, mm. and we would search all the titles for the, the law firms as well as attend settlements on behalf of many of the lawyers. So I was flat out doing that and loved it, actually, really loved it. Yeah. But at at the same time, I loved netball. I played as a schoolgirl. I was under, our coach was the Australian captain, Wilma Ritchie. Oh, wow. And later on, when I was in my early teens, Wilma got me to join a club at Mm -hmm. Royal Park and I was under the under-18 coach, Margaret Cross. So I played netball at a fairly high standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then down the track, I I wasn't really able to, because my background, my father really wasn't keen on, on me playing at night. I wasn't able to go at night to the stadium. So I, most of my Why, why was that? At that time, my dad was a little bit old-fashioned and didn't want me going out at night. So oh, okay. I... Okay, so I concentrated on playing on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nepal has now changed a lot, mm-hmm. but I learned I, I also umpired and I played as a young married woman as well. And at the age of 25, I started um, a netball club, which to the best of my knowledge is still going today. Oh, wow. And from two teams, two young primary school teams, uh, we grew very quickly to 16 teams. And so my time was spent coaching mm-hmm. and we were involved in both junior and senior netball the club very successful club and I really got very involved with the umpire inside of it and worked my way up to uh, a B umpire but then there's a big jump between there's a C B and then there's a big jump to an A grade umpire mm-hmm. and a, a B umpires B graded umpires in those days of course umpired a lot of the big games, but you really needed to go up to A or double A to umpire a state team or a, an Australian or international game. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent many nights um, and many days umpiring every game I could. And um, at that time then, I thought everything was perfect. My, now, now, how many children did you have at this point? I have three children. At this time, there was an eight-year-old girl, a boy who was just on six, and a little girl who was four. Wow, very and busy time in your life. Yes, it was. But it was an exciting time, too. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, we also did, in those days, attend church, because um, my husband was also a Catholic, mm-hmm. and really loved our life. We had a full life. And this particular week, um, for a few years now, I'd been working towards my A-grade badge, mm-hmm. and so there was a particular night... Um, I had to umpire some of the top players in the state and an international umpire gave me a critique or an assessment. 
Oh, wow. And, and this was at the stadium at Royal Park. Mm-hmm. When I finished my, crit, my, my the critique, um, the umpire, the international umpire, was very pleased and said that by next week, within a week, I would have my A badge. So I, I went home elated. I was wrapped. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next day I, w- I went to work, but the next evening, uh, which was a Wednesday night, I was going to a netball meeting. My husband that night stopped me and grabbed me by the arm. <laughs> he said, look, you're going to too many meetings and you're out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, are the children important and myself? Who's more important? Is it the sport or is it us as a family? Hmm. Now, I did say to him, look, it's only one more week. It's just, we're just so close. It's just one more week. Mm-hmm. And I did go out that night. As soon as I got out the front door, I really felt I had done the wrong thing. Hmm. But I still went to the meeting that night. Now, the next morning on the Thursday morning, I had parked my car. Uh, as usual, in the Trove Street. But normally, normally what happens in that kind of work, it is so intense and so busy mm-hmm. that nobody really leaves their spot at the title's office. But after I parked my car on the Thursday, I felt I couldn't go to work straight away. So I went to a church in mm-hmm. Melbourne mm-hmm. and I sat in the back seat and I actually repented. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. Of course, my husband and the children are the most important. And I'm just I'm just sorry ab- about all of that. And mm-hmm. that's where I was that particular day. And I just asked the Lord to help me in, in my life. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, the Thursday. The very next day was the Friday. And Friday, with law firms and settlements, for properties is so hectic. Um, my briefcase was packed with settlements for the day, hmm. not to mention all the searches. And what year was this? This was, I think it was 1981. Mm-hmm. I was around 18, 1981, I'd have to check, but mm-hmm. it was that time. Mm-hmm. And I parked the car as usual. As I started to walk out Latrobe Street, mm-hmm. um, I started to walk down towards Queen Street and the lights had changed and there was three lanes of traffic, parked cars and then two lanes of traffic and the tram line. So I just felt by the time I get down there, they're going to change again. So I decided to cross there because all the cars were stationary, basically. Mm-hmm. As, as I crossed between the cars that were already facing a stop sign, uh, unknown to me, there was another car coming up from the top of Latrobe Street that had gone onto the wrong side of the road. Oh, wow. And um, it was just like a flash. It was honestly like a flash. I just, as I turned, I saw this and I thought, oh, my gosh. And... The thing that did happen and which uh, amazed me was I just felt like I was immediately picked up or I was immediately comforted. Um, I was all just a whole lot, my whole body, it just in, instantly. Now, what happened then was the car hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I felt the back of my neck go. I felt my head um, 
my side, my legs initially, because the car hit me on my right side, mm-hmm. I, I actually felt all my right knee, the whole lot there. But as I was slung, I felt all the time I was being like cushioned. I can't explain it. Mm. But I was hit into another vehicle that now was coming the other way. And I ended up underneath the second car. And I can recall that as my head hit the, the road, just this tremor, this tremor went from the top of my head right through my body. And now at this time, that's all I felt. But then instantly, I felt I wasn't in La Trobe Street any longer. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Miranda Burness from Ballarat, and as we just heard, she was in a life-changing accident. Next, we're going to hear about an out-of-body experience she had that included a vision of the Lord that has had a lasting impact on her life. All that and more is coming up when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Miranda Burness from Ballarat, who's sharing her life journey. And as we heard before the break, she was hit by a car. And just as she struck the pavement, she began to have an out-of-body experience. Now, we're going to find out what happened next on that day. I just felt I was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I was fully aware that I was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, I also felt like Every time a thought came to my mind or like trying to work out where I was, it was like I was being hit by a supernatural love or comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was aware that there was other people there. There were others where I was. And when I think of, even though it was many years ago, I still, for me, it was like yesterday. I also felt I was out of time. Like time didn't exist. Oh, this is all outside of time. I can't explain it, but I knew who I was. I knew that I was married to my husband, Martin. I knew my children. I also knew that. And as I started to move forward, in um, it it was, as people have sometimes explained, like a light. But Mm -hmm. the one thing I did know was that the day before, I had been praying. And the day before, I had asked the Lord to forgive me and to help me. And so I honestly felt that I was in God's presence. And as I started to move forward, I still keep being hit by this this sense of uh, a supernatural love. Or, 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 but then I felt, uh, I said, um, it's okay. I said, it's okay. It feels good to be dead. Hmm. And I said, I'm not afraid anymore. But as I said those words, I suddenly saw who, to me, was the Lord. Mm -hmm. But I saw my four-year-old daughter in front of him. Mm -hmm. And I actually saw his hands on her shoulders. 
And, and as I saw my daughter um, appear in front of me, I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I said, I cannot come now. I said, Rachel still needs me. Mm-hmm. As I said those words, I all of a sudden was hearing voices and I I could see there was an exhaust over my my face and it was actually the exhaust of the second car that I had been flown under. Oh wow. And then I heard all these voices and then as that was cleared I could see the people around looking down on me and I could see Bill who was the um, the chap in charge of the car park, and he had tears running down his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I could only hear voices. I couldn't see much, but I heard the two men, and they were the ambulance. Mm-hmm. So I would say approximately, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes was mm-hmm. that, that time span by the time the ambulance arrived. And I can remember the one of the ambulance men saying, it's okay. They evidently knew my name, mm-hmm. and they said, "It's okay, Miranda. It's okay. Um, we are going. You're going to be all right. We're going to take you." And they mentioned one of the local, one of the hospitals, one mm-hmm. of the you know um, yep. public hospitals. But the moment he mentioned the public hospital, I said, "I in, in my mind at that moment, I thought that was my last day." So mm. I, I wanted to go to um, a different hospital. I wanted to be where people pray. So, uh, and only because I, many years ago, as a, in my first year of marriage, I'd had a terrible experience when I was involved in a different accident, okay? Oh, and at that particular hospital? Yes. Uh, so, that, so that, that hospital had that, kind of a bad taste in your mouth? It did. I just thought, oh, I can't go, I can't go there. Yeah, so uh, even though terrible, you were, you know, in bad shape, you still had the presence of mind to say, no, I don't want to go to that one hospital where I had a bad experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I said, can I please go to a Christian hospital? That's mm-hmm. what I asked him. And it was quite a silly, uh, a funny thing to ask when you're mm-hmm. in that position. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but he came back to me. He said, wait a moment. He came back and he whispered in my ear and he said, Miranda, we're taking you to St. Vincent's. Is that Okay. He was anyway, probably thinking, you just need to get to a hospital. <laughs> Don't be too particular. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It's quite funny when I think about it huh. now. Yeah. But nevertheless, looking back, I know why I had to ask that. I just, after the incident, I, I can look back now and I can see the hand of God mm-hmm. at different places. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that happened was that um, when I got to this hospital, Initially, I'd been rushed around and they were doing all sorts of tests. Then I was in a, I, I, I couldn't see anything I, because I, I wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But all of a sudden, I was by myself um, before my husband arrived and was called. And I felt my wrist being grabbed. And it was the voice of a lady. And she said, sweetheart, we were there when you came in this morning in the waiting room on the emergency. And... We are all praying for you out there. Hmm. We've been praying for you. And I believe now that that prayer intervened. You know, that was a prayer Hmm. that intervened on my behalf. Because I honestly did feel all my legs go on the right-hand side. And the damage that was to that car when when it was later on uh, revealed, Hmm. it was massive damage. Hmm. 
So anyway, that's where I was there. Who, who, who was the lady? Was she a chaplain or something? No, I don't know to this day. Oh, wow. I, I, she was just in the... Um, I didn't see her face because I, I wasn't... I could only hear voices. Mm, yeah. But I felt her... Her, she grabbed my wrist hmm. and she just said, sweetheart, she said, you know, we've been praying for you. We were when you came in. Hmm. Um, so that to me today speaks volumes mm-hmm. um, that there was mm-hmm. prayer all the way through. Yeah. Uh, I then, um, my husband did arrive. There were, there were tests. I, um, I, I had lots and lots of stitches in my head, but what had happened and I wasn't aware at the time was that I'd had major major concussion uh i'd had concussion a number of times in life in sport and different mm. things and other and the other accidents and things um, but this was a traumatic brain injury mm. which caused very severe bruising of the brain mm-hmm. and i didn't understand that at that time but that's w- one of the main things that affected me i also had a lot of ribs broken and oh gosh, half my skin was off as mm. well on my back. But I was taken. I was uh, later on after that night. I was transferred from the St. V's to the Sacred Heart. At the time, it was the Sacred Heart Hospital in Moreland, mm. um, where I spent approximately two weeks in hospital initially. And um, anyway, what what happened after that was that. I was home then for about, I don't know, another six weeks or so in bed. But I I wasn't all there. I can't explain it to you. Mm. Um, I happened, all of a sudden, I was stuttering. I couldn't speak properly. Mm. I I was writing backwards. Um, for many months, I just, you know, have, just affected me in such a way that I was doing everything back to the front, mm. just everything. And... I, I had no memory. I didn't know who was who or what was what. I, so that was, apart from my body healing itself, um, that was one of the main things that affected me for mm-hmm. um, a long time. I also was deaf too. I lost uh, oh, my wow. deafness, my, mm-hmm. my memory loss. And um, I then, when I started walking, I used, my right leg had a, a very noticeable limp. There was a weakness there in my right thigh. And, of course, as I said, my speech was, was dramatically affected, my concentration, mm. um, from a very bright businesswoman yeah. who could look at a plan of subdivision, look at all the lots and add, them, add up all the measurements quickly for a connecting point for a law firm. I couldn't do any of that. I was home for really all up about three months mm. because um, I, I had my own business. And I yeah, I was going to say, what it. happened to your business through all this? Well, from the day I went into the hospital, um, one of the other girls who was also running her own business, a, a lovely lady called Christine, mm-hmm. she took over my practice. She ran it all, mm-hmm. and she continued to run it. And when I came back to work um, after about three months, I honestly wasn't all there. I may have returned. Mm-hmm. Physically. But... Physically, but I was only, let's say, um, uh, and I didn't want to lose my clients, but I really wasn't there at all, okay? What Christine would do was she would, uh, because my life was shattered. Mm. Uh, I couldn't, netball was gone. That's basically it. Mm. That was gone. Um, But my job, for my job, I would sit there at the title's office. I'd look pretty 
in case a client solicitor came in. Mm-hmm. But Christine did all the talking. Um, I did, after three months, she would send me around. She would send me to collect plans to colour in, uh, you know, one of the properties that I was treated really like a child. Mm. Um, my husband would take me to his school in Essendon and Christine would pick me up and she would then bring me back at 3.30 and he would take me home and I would go to bed about 4, four o'clock, 4.30. Mm. I, I don't really remember very much at all for, about my children um, for about two years after the accident. Oh, wow. Bob, <clears throat> I was going to say, why was it so important for you just to physically be there? Was it because of your reputation in yes, order to keep I had your clients? A, I was very well known. Mm. I, I was very good at my work and I had a lot of very good clients. So they really wanted you to keep those clients I mean, I to the point to of just having clients, you physically yes. sitting there. That's right. Wow. So I would sit there and say, Christine would just do everything. She, she mm. ran the business. Yeah. She ran the business for, I would say, completely, um, what, nearly two years. But mm. for the first year, she was there. I wasn't doing anything at all because when I got home, um, when my husband had taken me home, I wasn't aware of my surroundings mm. very much. I was constantly, you know, regularly at the doctor's, mm. basically initially, you know, fortnightly, then um, monthly. Um, I was at the physio for about, I think, six years. Mm. But what happened as I was getting better, and I didn't realize this, um, when my husband thought I was much better, he decided that it would be good for me to invite some of my girlfriends over for lunch. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was very excited that day, but I, I can still see I set all the table and all of a sudden everybody looked because I had set things back the front. Mm. And when I noticed it, I started crying. I ran downstairs and mm. locked myself up in my room. Um, from that point, I realized that, um, or the doctor realized that even though I was getting better, I now could see that I couldn't do the work. You know what I mean? Mm. I could see what I was doing that wasn't right. I could see that I was writing backwards. Um, I can remember one day at the title's office, I had to hide where no one could see me because I couldn't add up two and three. I used my fingers to mm. like on my hand. Just yeah. to, so it did affect me. Well, that was part one of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Miranda Burness from Ballarat. We invite you again to join us next time for more of Miranda's incredible story, including the miraculous way the Lord heals her and how she goes on to do wonderful things for him. Also, she'll share how the vision she had while having an out-of-body experience goes on to provide great comfort to her many years later. All that and more is coming up next time. Meanwhile, if you have experienced a traumatic experience in your life similar to Miranda and would like someone to pray with, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray with you on that phone number, one 800 Finally, we'll end today with a verse from the book of Psalms that really captures what Miranda experienced. It's Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. If you haven't done so already, we would encourage you to call on the Lord today. Well, until next time when we'll hear part two of Miranda's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. My little daughter, she needs her hem sewn up. And I said, Rachel, mummy will do that. And she said, no, daddy will. And I realised that I was no longer the mother in the house. 
And so that day I went up to Christine and I said, Christine, would you like to buy my business? And the business was sold. Once again, Miranda Burness from Ballarat joins us to tell more of her incredible story. She had a successful business and was on her way to becoming an international netball umpire when she was hit by a car and experienced multiple significant injuries. We'll hear how God miraculously heals her next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.